0: This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Hey, folks. Welcome back. You're in the workplace. I'm Peter Capelli. With me today is Yvonne Branke, professor of management here at the Wharton School, the show where we talk about things going on at work. And is there a topic which is hotter than manufacturing manufacturing jobs, at least for people who are in the policy world and think about this stuff, right? What are we going to do about manufacturing jobs? Uh, does it matter at all that possibly they're going away? And here's a twist. Uh, what are the effects of declining manufacturing jobs on things as far removed from that as you might imagine? One of them is marriage. So what happens to marriage rates when manufacturing jobs decline. And with us to help think through this is Gordon Hansen. Gordon's a professor at University of San Diego and is acting dean of something there. Gordon, I couldn't quite figure out what it was from from your resume, but welcome.
1: Uh, Thanks very much for having me on, Peter.
0: Uh, Gordon, what are you acting dean of there?
1: Uh, Of the School of Global Policy and Strategy at UC San Diego.
0: Ah, fabulous. So Gordon is is, uh, one of the international experts on questions of International jobs, manufacturing, imports, and how all that stuff uh, affects the U.S. So, Gordon, if we could ask you maybe at the beginning of this conversation to help us understand a little bit about what's happened with manufacturing jobs in the U.S. for real, uh, as opposed to fake, (laughs) fake news or fake stories. What's really happened to manufacturing jobs, and what's your bet looking forward to the future of this? And if we could maybe along the way, we'll ask you about imports, particularly from China, which I know you've written about. So how do things look for manufacturing in the U.S. right now?
1: Well, if you take kind of the, the great sweep of history and yeah. look back over, you know, going back uh, 80 years or so uh, ago... Um, Manufacturing was almost a third of non-farm employment in the United States. It no was kidding. a major sector. Hmm. So you go back, go back to the 1950s.
0: Okay. Hmm. And
2: then
1: starting at about the mid-1950s, the share of jobs in manufacturing starts to decline. So this is way before China comes along yeah. uh, the scene, way before NAFTA, um, before even a lot of uh, the robotics revolution, okay. um, although there's discussions of automation being important as, as early as the 1960s. So, um you know uh, manufacturing as a share of, of u s jobs has been falling for for decades now, and the the driving factors behind that decline kind of vary deca- decade by decade, okay. certainly, in the last twenty years, trade's been a very big deal over the last forty years. technological change has been a very big deal
0: okay so in the last uh, in the last forty years or so, this is really talking not just about automation, but systems, right, including some of them are human systems, have made firms more productive. We used to talk about the productivity paradox, right? And that was that manufacturing was becoming more productive, and that was a great thing. Services, productivity wasn't moving so much, but the effect on this is jobs, right?
1: That's right. Uh, You know, so even though the share of of, uh, U.S. workers that that uh, go to work each day in a manufacturing plant has been on the decline. The share of manufacturing and total output in the United States and our total GDP hasn't changed by all that much. And, mm-hmm. and you we're able to produce more with, with fewer workers because of that productivity change that you talk about.
0: So let's talk about two things in, more recently, and the first which you've written about is imports. And uh, so I guess the first question is how big a deal have imports been to the change in manufacturing industry in the u.s. both the absolute size but also maybe the composition that is the employment issues in particular
1: sure uh- so, you know, the, the work that I've done with David Otter at MIT and David Dorn at the University of Zurich, uh, uh, as well as some, some other co-authors along the way, shows that, that, that trade has been a big deal in terms of, of outcomes for manufacturing workers and, and manufacturing firms. Yep. Uh, we've seen the share of jobs in manufacturing decline from about uh, 13% in the early 1990s to around 9% uh, today. So mm-hmm. that's a four percentage point drop. Yep. Um, and our estimates are that, that trade with, with China in particular can account for about a
0: fifth of that. Only a fifth of that decline? Really? No. Now, no
1: remember, now we, huh. you might say, well, that's not that big of a deal. As economists, if we can explain anything, we get pretty excited. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, if you then add, if you think that, um, that, you know, trade is on the order of a fifth, Uh, maybe a quarter. And if you think that technological change is on the order of a quarter, maybe a third, we're getting upwards of explaining maybe around a half or a bit more of manufacturing job loss. For major changes in the U.S. economy, uh, that'd be pretty good in terms of what social science is able to deliver.
0: Yeah. Uh, In in terms of what politicians and policy folks uh, would think, though, it sounds like the decline in manufacturing as a percentage of the economy that we could explain because of the rise of China and stuff is about one percentage point. Yeah,
1: uh, about one—that'd uh, uh, be about right. Uh, right around one percentage point of the, the yeah. uh, job loss in, uh, in in U.S. nonfarm employment. You yeah, could, you could tag to uh, to China. Now, if you're part of, you know, if you're one of those workers. Um, yeah. Uh, that's a big deal, yeah. Um, yep. But it's, uh, you know, it's not. If we go back to, uh, to to explain why the U.S. labor force doesn't look like it did in the 1950s, um, trade is only going to be a a
2: pretty small part of that. Right. That's not going to be the same. so. Um, I mean, I don't want you to look into the future like in a crystal ball. Instead, how about we think in in terms of the evidence and the what we have, what we know from research of the past 10, 15 years. What do we know? Uh, which jobs are being created and what is what is the environment under which these jobs are being created uh, more compared to another setting. So this feeds into the discussion of what should be the right uh, regulation uh, of labor markets, what should perhaps be uh, done about uh, trade deals. But what do we know in terms of recent trends where uh, jobs have been created?
0: And, and can I also just add to that maybe first, in manufacturing, what jobs are going away and then and then which ones are... Are being created as a result of these the technology changes, I guess, or I guess also the immigration. I mean the um, import changes.
1: Mm-hmm. So you know, if we if we look back over the past uh, twenty twenty five years, it won't come as a big shock that that most of the jobs we've lost have been. Uh, in manufacturing, have been ones held by lower-skilled workers, yeah. um, and those are workers with you know high school education or or less. Typically, mm-hmm. uh, their jobs that um, entail lots of routine activity, so stuff that's easy to automate, mm-hmm. um, uh, stuff uh, involved in parts of production that uses lots of labor. So the value to the firm of relocating that activity to a low-wage country is going to be pretty high. Um, and so that you that automation kick uh really hits in the, in the 1980s into the 1990s. The trade kick really hits in the 1990s into the 2000s. Okay. But, you know, in the 2000s, we've seen some very interesting stuff going on. And now, and that is that, you know, it's not just the low-skilled workers who have seen uh, stagnating increases in demand for what they do. Uh, we've seen a, uh, a, uh, an erosion of growth in earnings for lots of college graduates, too, yeah. as the type of jobs, those workers take have moved downscale in terms of in terms of skill. Yeah, um, and, um, and which so that, job,
2: but which yeah. jobs have been created? Then I mean, is there a, uh, this? This sounds really dire, <laughs> but what uh, what has been uh, moving up then?
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't want to uh, sound like too much of a pessimist because you know one of the no. in, in amazing thing uh, about the U.S. economy is the, just the amount of turnover that uh, that we undergo in the U.S. labor force on a year-on-year basis. So there are many, many jobs being created mm-hmm. uh, now. Those tend to be more in the service sector, many yep. fewer in uh, uh, in manufacturing. Um, they tend to be jobs that emphasize. Uh, Communication and relationship-specific uh, skills, mm-hmm. uh, manual activities that are hard uh, to automate, um, jobs in the non-traded sector that that can't be replaced with imports, and then of course the stuff that um, you know the the management and finance and science and engineering superstars
0: do. Yeah. So the uh, one of my favorite statistics in this is if you look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, projections on the fastest growing jobs of the top 20 fastest growing jobs, 18 require a high school degree or less, right? So there's growth at the low end. And I guess, Gordon, there's some growth in manufacturing at the higher end of the machinist sort of spectrum, right? People who are doing, running the automated equipment, I suppose, right? Right.
1: That's right. So you go into modern manufacturing facilities today, and you are going to see a lot of robots. Um, But those robots aren't operating on their own. They need minders. Uh, They need uh you know, older siblings who are there to kind of tell them what to do, yep. uh, to refit them as your as the production uh, production line changes, yep. um, and to conduct repairs and and reprogramming. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's a a whole new set of jobs that are created by automation, even as automation is destroying other categories of work.
0: Now we want to get to your study on marriage, how uh, this yes. relates to marriage in just a second, but I did want to add one quick thing about. Uh, the rise of some of these robots is that they are actually increasingly really dangerous as they become bigger and more autonomous. Their interactions with uh, the minders, the people who are helping them, um, is really problematic. And they're having to, in many cases, encase them in cages and things uh, because when the robots are flinging around uh, and if they sometimes need repairs, they're whacking in ways which are not completely predictable, and they're killing people. So mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty dangerous stuff. Okay, get to a happier, well, not a happier story, but a different story. Let's talk about the connection between manufacturing jobs, which traditionally have been seen as pretty good jobs, especially for people who don't have high levels of education, and marriage. So tell us what the connection there is.
1: So what is special about manufacturing it is that it is a sector that has paid high wages to workers with uh, a high school degree or, or, or even less. Um, and it's a very important sector in U.S. economic history in terms of providing that middle-class employment opportunity to men, yep. because manufacturing employs uh, a disproportionately large uh, number of males. So then think of what happens in a community when manufacturing jobs uh, disappear, what you're doing is taking away a sector that provides less educated men pretty uh, attractive wage earning opportunities. Um, that then makes them, in you know cold cruel economic terms, uh, less attractive as marriage partners. Yeah. Um, we've got lots of research that that shows us as kind of that wage gap between what men earn and what women earn, something that we spend a lot of time saying, well, how do we eliminate that gap? There is, there, you know, there are some, as economists will always tell you, you know, on the one hand, then on the other hand, what is that other hand here? Yep. Um, it's that you, uh, as, as you shrink that, that earnings gap, Ah, uh, you tend to decrease marriage rates, in particular, um, at the lower end of the pay scale among mm-hmm. um, individuals mm-hmm. at the lower end of the pay scale.
0: Yeah. So, do you think? Uh, so, one thing that's happening is, good jobs uh, for men are going away, and then the men become not as able to support a family. But do you think, and do you find that that narrowing the wage gap between men and women has a, an effect as well on this? So
1: that's what we looked at in particular, okay. um, was, uh, you know, did uh, the disappearance of manufacturing jobs associated with increased international trade, yep. uh, did it compress this earnings differential between, between men and women? And the an- answer is that yes, it does. Um, okay. And then, then what happens? Well, uh, employment rates, um, th- that differential between men and women, that compresses also. Uh, and men are disappearing not just from uh, the labor force, they're also kind of disappearing from responsible roles in the community. They're huh. more likely to hmm. uh, to take up dangerous behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Incarceration rates go up. Participation yep. in crime goes up. Yep. And uh, you're, you see larger increases among men relative to women in uh, drug and alcohol uh, abuse. Mm-hmm. So, so you get kind of, when as you become less employable, and you're relaxing some of these social constraints on male behavior, what then we uh, get on the other side of that is, uh, is you know, uh, greater participation in socially undesirable
0: activity. Yeah. Our, our colleague here at Penn, Frank Furstenberg, a demographer, did some interesting studies about this a while ago about crime rates. When manufacturing jobs started to disappear, crime rates with each immigrant wave uh, didn't come down. So it used to be that every new immigrant wave, crime rates would spike, and manufacturing jobs would start to bring them down, partly because it gave people a stake in the system, reasonably good jobs, partly because it wore them out. At the end of the day, you know, eight-hour shift, you didn't have a lot of energy to go out and get into a lot of trouble. So is what's happening here uh, that the women are marrying other men? Are they moving to other sectors, other regions, or they're just not getting married at all?
1: They're not getting married at all. Okay. And so we've we have seen a decline in marriage in the United States. Yeah. Uh, that decline has been concentrated among individuals with uh, with less education uh, and who uh, oh. you know not surprisingly mm-hmm. earn uh, lower incomes. Okay. Um, now, uh, so we so that uh, 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 the adverse consequences for manufacturing mean a decline in marriage. Um, it also means, and when marriage declines, you see a reduction in childbirths but uh what's, what's interesting here is that the fertility rates uh you know rates of childbirth are not declining as quickly as marriage rates so okay. what we're seeing then is an increase in out of wedlock births and yep. single parenthood
2: hmm. so so what is always uh, for me a deep puzzle is uh the rel- you know the relatively low mobility of people um i mean you and i we are we are academics so for us it's normal to think of course i'm going to the other end of the world for an, for my next appointment um, but you said that these men, when they did not have these uh, job opportunities anymore and they weren't as eligible for marriage, instead of moving around and finding another spouse and getting eligible, and, uh, again, they, they st- seem to stay
0: put. So, what, what about that? Well, presumably the women too, right? If you're in a manufacturing community and there are no men with good jobs, they could move too, I suppose. But is, is that not happening or what do you think, Gordon?
1: Uh, you know it's really not happening, and it is a big puzzle. We thought uh for a long time uh, in the economics community that ah uh, you know the u s labor market's the most dynamic place in the world uh You lose your job um you quickly look to find a new one, and if you don't in your community well you'll just move somewhere else uh, and so that labor pretty easily follows capital in terms of uh, uh of eliminating uh, upticks in in unemployment. Yep. What we've come to appreciate, and not just looking at the impact of international trade, but a whole bunch of different changes in economic outcomes in communities, is that when, when, when bad things happen in localities, and in particular to, to workers at the lower end of the pay scale, you're not seeing out-migration. You, you aren't seeing people okay. leave for huh. opportunities elsewhere. Okay. Um, sure. And uh, and that was, you know, and we went and we we thought this is exactly what we were going to see when we looked at what happens to these areas that were hit hardest by the China shock. We'd see declining labor supply as people fled for 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 better opportunities in in, in other cities. Right. And it just didn't happen. Yeah. Um, Interesting. What we don't know yet. Is exactly why, and we have, you know, there there are a number of candidate explanations there, all of which have bits and pieces of evidence to support them. Um, one thing is what we just mentioned is that there are, uh, you know, the, an increasing incidence of children born out of wedlock. So when you yeah. lose your job and you want to move, now you got to negotiate with a partner right. to whom you're not married, uh, yeah. who is might be taking care of the kids, right. um, and that complicates the family situation. Yeah. with more two-income households for those that where you do have have two parents at home. That complicates uh, mobility. Um, Higher fraction of homeowners underwater on their their mortgages. Mm -hmm. And then last but not least, a lot of the social policies that we have in place that help workers who are hit by bad times actually induce you to leave the labor market. Um, oh yeah, either, yeah. either mm-hmm. in the short run or yeah. the long run, mm-hmm. and and the and as you accumulate time out of work, right. it makes it harder to reinsert yourself. Right,
0: just briefly, that means that uh, if you lose your job, uh, you get eligible for benefits. If you go back to work, sometimes even part time, you lose them. Gordon, we understand you have to go, so we will let you run. Thanks very much for being with us. Uh, Gordon Hanson is professor at the University of San Diego and the acting dean there and has written this interesting paper on marriage and manufacturing jobs. Yvonne, let me ask you this question, which follows on from your question. Do you think it would be a good idea if you were running the United States, let's say, uh, to encourage, great public policy to encourage people to move?
2: I well, I think there are many reasons why this might be a great idea. You know, yeah. you get to know the country better. <laughs> Thank you. Right. You get to experience other communities, appreciate yeah. them more. Buy well.
0: everybody a car and yeah. just send them out.
2: <laughs> well, or a bike. You know, or a bike. You, you can you cycle go. very well. You know, I love to <laughs> cycle. But I, I, I think what, 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 what might be the key? You know, why is it that people don't do certain things in life? I mean, yeah. it's, as such, you know, life is not complicated. You know, pay, pay your bill on time. You know if you have problems with alcohol stop drinking alcohol yeah. if you're depressed yeah. uh, exercise more you know right, these right. are not rocket right. science things but people experience a lot of barriers to making changes and i think one of the you sh- mean
0: changes which are rational and it's clear you should do them.
2: you should do yeah. and for instance um, you know me again from from germany what one interesting statistic that came out after reunification when all the east german declined Tremendously. Yep. And these mm-hmm. were villages and cities with like 60% unemployment rate. And uh-huh. then when they were surveyed, how far are you willing to move for the next job? The median response was not even to the next village. Really? And I think, sure, they might say, well, you know, I, I love my, my my family, my social yes. network, mm-hmm. and I don't want to lose it, da, 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 da. But I think they, they lack the experience of how relatively easy it is actually to move around, to reestablish your life. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it is hard, yep. but it is perfectly doable. Yep. And uh, many. Many people do it, but I think others who feel the barrier of, of moving on might not do it. And yeah. I think forcing them or encouraging them to move around more will make them might see... Might be a good thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, Charles is calling uh, on this question. Charles giving us call from Colorado. What do you think, Charles?
2: Uh, so, you know, I've, I travel
1: a lot, and I'm in the manufacturing industry. Okay. But when I go to China, you know, you, you, you talk to workers, and it's like, well, why'd you move to Shenzhen from, you know, your area? Yeah. And they go, well, we, we had no choice. Yes. So is mm-hmm. one of the reasons why people don't move is because of our weref- welfare system? I mean, mm-hmm. we have this capacity that, oh, you're out of job, you're out of work, here's ha- here's housing, here's food, here's this, here's that. Stay put, you're you're comfortable.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Moving becomes the unknown. Mm-hmm.
2: Whereas exactly. you
0: look at
1: these third world countries, you know, you have no choice mm. but to move. It's either starve to death or yeah. move to an area that there is manufacturing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was that's my me. question. Did, 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 yeah. that take, did this report take that into account?
0: Yeah. No, I think that's an in- interesting question. I think we're we're talking about a series of uh, of studies about why possibly people aren't moving. And I think especially if you're getting state-level Benefits, right? <laughs> you can't move to another state and keep and keep those yeah. benefits.
2: But I think so, I think yes, there there may be some benefits. Um, but uh, typically, the, the benefits are not that generous, and you might you might they might still distort their behavior. But I think what it, what is more problematic is that people just uh, don't uh, cannot like um, um, envisage, can't imagine yeah. can't imagine yeah. can envisage yeah, what yeah. It, what it is like, and yeah. they that that holds them back. Yeah um but you know if you had some more encouragement or more more information on how to relocate how to get that done yep. um you know we we tell people all the time how to exercise more and what to do there and or, or how to eat better yep. maybe we should have some information program this is how you pack a box yeah. <laughs>
0: right? charles that's an interesting question thanks very much and you know the idea of possibly allowing people to continue to receive their payments for six months if they move someplace else might might be a help. But it's a really interesting yeah. uh, question uh, because there are parts of the country where unemployment rates are pretty low. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of variation. There are pockets where they're really, really high. Yeah. And uh, there are lots of reasons, as you say, why people are afraid to move and there are lots of ties that are wonderful things to family and community and things that make people want to stay. But on the other hand, if you know, if the government has to support you because there's nothing to do in your town, um, maybe we ought to encourage you to move someplace else. Interesting uh, idea. Yep. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I imagine it will come up when the current administration gets around to thinking about jobs and things. They're preoccupied with other sorts of things now, but Maybe a bunch of things will be on the table when they get around to look at this a little later. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.